Philippians chapter 2, verse 19 to 30. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him. He will show you genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself, because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epiphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. So then, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honour people like him, because he almost died for the work of the Christ. He risked his life uh, to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. We are currently in a sermon series on Paul's letter to the Philippian church. It's a letter about Jesus and it's a letter about joy. Paul shows us in this letter in a very personal way that life in Jesus Christ produces a supernatural joy, even in unlikely places like the church in Philippi, a church in challenging circumstances. Last Sunday, we learned that Apostle Paul's joy would be made complete if the Philippian church were to be united in Christ for his mission through humility. Paul, in today's passage, shows how two men who were his co-workers in ministries are examples of what it looks like to serve humbly in the ministry of the Philippian church. The name of these two men are Timothy and Epaphroditus. As we look at the example of these two men, we learn how we can find joy in our humble ministry towards one another. So first, we'll look at Timothy. Reading from verse 19. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I would also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare, for everyone looks out of their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. When Paul says, I have no one else like him, he uses a word that means equal soul. Paul highlights that the most important quality about Timothy is that there is no one else of equal soul, no one else that is like-minded, no one else with a kindred spirit. Paul's reason for choosing to send Timothy to the Philippian church is that Timothy shares Paul's heart and mind. It's obvious when you are like-minded with someone, you will have a great affinity and connection with that person. When everyone in a church community is like-minded, there is a great bond of relationships and that creates a momentum for us to move forward together in unison. But when we think about being like-minded, we tend to think about being like-minded in, say, convictions, beliefs, theology. Or we also think of being like-minded in terms of purpose and mission 
of the church. But there is actually one more thing to be said of being like-minded. Being the one mind in which Paul longs to see the Philippian church embrace is that of being like-minded also in the attitude of humility that imitates Jesus Christ. Like-mindedness is unity that embraces like truth, like purpose, and like attitude. David Starling in an article in the Gospel Coalition says, Genuine gospel-like-mindedness involves not only believing gospel truths about Jesus and cooperating in the gospel cause or purpose that proclaims him, but also thinking and serving with a gospel-shaped attitude that imitates Jesus in humility and self-sacrifice. Genuine gospel-like-mindedness is unity in gospel truth, gospel purpose, and gospel attitude. We tend to forget about gospel attitude in our approach to church unity. And it's so crucial because without it, we won't be able to distinguish between what are the primary issues and what are the secondary issues. We're not going to be able to focus and labour on the primary things and we end up bickering about the secondary things. It's only when we are like-minded in the attitude of humility can we be unitedly committed to working towards the primary aspects of our church's ministry, and then we can work out the secondary aspects with with humility and collaboration. And so Paul chooses Timothy to minister to the Philippians because he is of one mind in truth, purpose, and attitude in humility and self-sacrifice. The second thing that Paul commended about Timothy that he was large-hearted. Timothy had a genuine concern for the welfare of the Philippian church, while other leaders were obsessed only with themselves. And the word concerned means to have a strong emotion for something or someone. In the negative sense, this word is actually translated as anxious later in Philippians. But in the positive sense here, the word can mean perhaps the burdening for others, a burden for others that would lead to serving others self-sacrificially. Not everyone, even in the church of Philippi, even in the leadership of the church of Philippi, was like this. And so remember from last Sunday, there were those in the church who were selfishly pursuing empty glory. And if we are to be effective and genuine servants of Christ, we must also have a large heart, like Timothy. We need to ask God to enlarge in our hearts for others. We need to hold heartedly, ask for grace to us to care for more for the welfare of those around us than our own comfort. Next, Paul points out the, to the Philippian church that when it comes to Timothy, verse 22, but you know that Timothy has proved himself. In the first century, proving and testing had the sense of testing a metal by putting it in a furnace in order to reveal if it was a genuine thing or an imitation. In churches, we can fall into the mistake of thinking that by doing a Bible study or a training course on how to forgive, on how to be patient, on how to be loving, on how to be godly, then after completing that Bible study or training course, we tend to think that we've graduated and that we are forgiving and patient, loving and godly because we've learnt about it. But the thing is, we can only know for sure that you and I are truly a forgiving, patient or loving or godly person 
when someone hurts you, when you get frustrated, when you get mistreated, when you are tempted. It's in only in those conditions and not any other conditions and circumstances can we know for sure that we exhibit those characteristics. Only when you experience hurt, experience frustrations, experience mistreatment, experience temptation will you ever truly know whether you can ever truly respond in forgiveness instead of vengeance, respond in patience instead of anger, respond in love instead of an eye for an eye, respond in godliness instead of sinfulness. See, only when you are tested and proven can you truly tell the true nature of your faith. And I want to say it's the same thing for those pursuing full-time vocational ministry. Getting a degree from a Bible college doesn't qualify your character to be suitable for ministry. You still also need to attend the school of hard ministry knocks. It is only with spiritual scars of graceful and loving perseverance with your Bible college degree in hand, do you ever graduate with proven character? And Timothy, he was well-educated in the school of hard ministry knocks. Timothy has been battle-tested with Paul in the front lines of spiritual warfare. Timothy has been through the fire of ministry, and he's come out with a proven, life-tested servant. And if you're going through adversity at the moment, if you have to deal with a difficult situation or with a difficult person, my encouragement to you is from the example of Timothy, is to see your situation as a real life spiritual training and education where God always has a refining purpose and lesson for you in the midst of your difficulties. If you are to be useful to the Lord, you are required to be battle-tested. And only with a humble attitude can your hardships become the training school for your ministry effectiveness and long-term fruit. The final hallmark of Timothy, which made him so valuable to Paul, was that he was loyal and humble. Paul says, Timothy is like... A son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel, verse 22. Paul was a spiritual father to Timothy. He gave Timothy wise counsel, oversight, direction to Timothy's life. And as a son to a father, Timothy gave respect, honour, obedience, loyalty and allegiance to Paul. You see, Timothy's loyalty to Paul was not the loyalty of cold professionalism, The loyalty was the intimate loyalty of a son to his father. And the thing is, filial loyalty, father, son, family loyalty and obedience, it was a very real duty in the first century. But Paul puts a gospel difference to his father-son-like relationship with Timothy. Notice this, rather than saying, a son with his father, he has served me, which is what we would expect in the first century. Paul says something different. He says, like a son with his father, he has served with me, not for me. Paul modifies the cultural expectation of filial loyalty 
and takes it into a different direction to share that both he and Timothy are servants and slaves of Christ. They are co-servants in the service to Jesus. But as co-servants, Timothy accepts that he is still subservient to Paul as a son is to a father. And this shows us of Timothy's humility played out in practice. As one commenter said about Timothy, his task, even though as a co-servant, was to be sanctified in command. And he was ready for it to be so. He never upset Paul. And I think this image of Timothy and Paul is a wonderful, wonderful image of the relational dynamics between leaders and members of a church. This image shows us that the role of leaders is not merely functional in getting things done, in meeting church objectives. It's also, if not more so, pastoral. In the work of ministry, leaders are to help guide and counsel people towards character formation, not just doing a good job. Like a father does for his son when working on a project together. That's a beautiful image. For members, you and your leaders are co-slaves, co-servants, co-laborers in the service of Jesus. We serve side by side. Yet in humility and trust, you honour the leadership of your leaders over you who are serving you right in the trenches with you by following their counsel, guidance and direction of leaders just like a son does for his father. But this relational dynamic breaks down when the leader or member does not live out this image. It breaks down when leaders act neglectfully, overbearing, cold, utilitarian fathers. It also breaks down when members act like childish, prideful, rebellious sons. But when both leaders and members serve others in humility and self-sacrifice, that is when we as a church community can be effective co-servants with love and unity of the body of Christ. So that's Timothy. Much to learn about his example. We move to Epaphroditus. The other man that Paul regards highly is Epaphroditus. And the first distinguishing mark of Epaphroditus was that he was hardworking. Verse 25, but I think it necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, my co-worker, my fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. The Philippian church in turn sent Epaphroditus to Paul to bring financial gift to help Paul's expenses whilst he was in prison. Back then they didn't have um, direct debit or internet banking. They had to travel to get money from one place to another. And Epaphroditus also went there to actually take care of Paul's personal needs. But while serving Paul, Epaphroditus became sick to the point of death. And when news about Epaphroditus reached the church at Philippi, the church was understandably worried. But by God's gracious providence, Epaphroditus was brought back from the doorsteps of death back to health. And once Epaphroditus had um, news about Epaphroditus received, Paul sent him back to the church in Philippi along with his letter to them. So from what Paul describes, Epaphroditus is a co-worker, a fellow soldier. And so we know that he was someone who was heavily engaged in the service of the gospel. Epaphroditus and Paul were shoulder to shoulder in the work of the Lord. And the more they served and labored together, the more they found themselves in the front 
lines of spiritual warfare. The same is true for every believer today. The more we serve God, the more we will find ourselves in spiritual opposition. And that means growth and maturity does not come without its challenges. In fact, the challenges and oppositions are the very signs of our growth and maturity. So do not be discouraged. Do not be discouraged because we can face challenges head on because the Bible says that all authority in heaven and on earth is given to Jesus. And so we can move forward in confidence to go and make disciples of all nations without fear because Jesus reigns over all situations. Paul also refers to Epaphroditus as a messenger and carer. Verse 25, who is also your messenger whom you sent to take care of my needs. Epaphroditus was sent on a specific mission to minister to Paul who was in need. In a similar way, every Christian is sent by God with words of encouragement to others in need. Whether God sends us to go across the road or across the ocean, we are to be taking the message of encouragement and affirmation to our brothers and sisters in Christ. And furthermore, we are to be messengers of the gospel to those who don't know Jesus. So in the same way, we are all sent messengers like Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus not only went to Paul with his words, but with a desire to take care of his needs. And the word translated to take care is to minister in the terms of a priest serving and ministering in a temple. And so this indicates that Epaphroditus, through his practical care, was doing spiritual work. He is actually, through practical help, fulfilling a sacred priestly calling. He's acting much as a priest would into going to the temple and offering a sacrifice. So who do you know is in need this week? Go and be a messenger and a carer of God. Fulfill your sacred calling by offering practical help and spiritual words of encouragement. There's another aspect about Epaphroditus that Paul highlights. Epaphroditus had an intense love for others. Verse 26, he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. The word longing carries this meaning of deep, intense feeling for his fellow believers in the church at Philippi. Epaphroditus is not this stoic servant merely going through the mechanical motions. Instead, he is the one that feels deeply for others. He's so concerned for them that as soon as that he heard that the church heard about his sickness, he wasn't even distressed about his own sickness to the point of death. He was discerned and distressed that they, the church, was worried. And so what Epaphroditus felt for the Philippians is something that we should also feel for one another. Our ministry must be carried out not only with our hands, but also with our hearts. In love, we are to be burdened for each other, spiritually, mentally, and emotionally, for each other's well-being. The most commendable characteristic comes at the end, that Epaphroditus, that he was a risk-taker. Verse 27, indeed he was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare my sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I am all the eager, more eager to send him, 
so that when you see him again, you'll be glad and I may have less anxiety. So then welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honour people like him. Because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. Epaphroditus risked his life to minister to Paul. In trying to get to Paul, he went to the brink of death. He's willing to go anywhere, do anything and pray, pay any price to serve others in the name of Jesus. Epaphroditus holds his life with an open hand and takes any risk to advance the cause of Christ. Epaphroditus stands as this constant challenge to us, doesn't he? To not make our own safety and security our number one priority. Instead, we are to place personal sacrifice in the service of Christ above our personal security. And this will also mean that we need to start living our lives with an open hand. To be willing to go wherever God may send us and do whatever it takes to feel the will of God for our lives wherever he may take us. And so Paul encourages the Philippian church to welcome Epaphroditus with great joy and to give him great honour. By doing so, the Philippians will recognise on earth what true greatness is, what true greatness is recognised in heaven. And if they welcome him and honour him, they will acknowledge and honour what true greatness is on earth. Timothy and Epaphroditus are the great examples of people who lived their lives not for themselves but for others. To see them also on a cross in a way. To point us to the cross-shaped life of Jesus whom we are to follow and serve. And so whenever you are finding it hard to love and serve others, my encouragement to you is to look up to Jesus. Remember him. See in the Lord Jesus, who was loyal and humble to his father, humbled himself to even death on the cross. See in the Lord Jesus his great distress for our sake. See in the Lord Jesus how he risked his life to not only go to the brink of death, but to risk his life all the way to the grave. Fix your eyes on him who risked it all and joyfully thank him so that we can serve others in a costly and sacrificial way so that others may come to know and love Jesus more and more. That's my first encouragement. Look to Jesus. My second encouragement is for you to this week experience joy. J-O-Y. Put Jesus first others second and yourself last and through that you're going to have and experience joy this week let me pray our father in heaven we thank you for the examples of timothy and paphroditus some real men by which we can relate to just ordinary fellas that we can understand and imagine ourselves in their shoes so that we can be compelled to be more like Jesus as they 
try to be more like Jesus. And so, Father, help us to put Jesus first, others second, and ourselves last, so that we could experience a supernatural joy in an unlikely place like Chapel Hill. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.